We've been about this work, diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, shared through the voices of a white woman and a black man. We bring lived experiences. We have pursued DNI progress for most of our professional lives. We use Crazy and the King to cover news, tips from colleagues, and host incredible guests. Listeners, count on Julie and I to transparently drive the conversation. We thank you for rocking with us. Check it. Check it. Julie, kick off the show. Welcome to Crazy and the King. Hey, Torin. Let me tell you something. My neighbor down the street yesterday, he came up to me. I, I don't have a chainsaw. Like, like I, I needed to cut some branches off of a tree, Jay, and, and I don't have a chainsaw. So I said, you know, first of all, I said, Keith, you know, uh, can I use, well, well, I asked actually my, my neighbor, Marty, could I use her chainsaw chain was messed up. And so Keith drove by and I said, well, maybe Keith will let me use his. And, and I called him Keith three times. Now, mind you, I said my neighbor, but I called him Keith like three times wondering why he wasn't responding to me. <laughs> he actually walked up to my porch and he was like, he had on his uniform and he was bringing me to saw. He said, now, do you know how to use this? You know, my street, they don't really see me as the handyman type. Uh, I said, first of all, I do know how to use it. I got my safety goggles. I got my glasses, got my, um, my gloves. And, and he said, well, I just don't want you to, you know, cause you can, this is like the most dangerous, tool that you can buy in like Lowe's and Home Depot. I, I said, I got it. And, and, and then I looked at his shirt, Jay, and it said, Mike. I oh, said, um, <laughs> uh, uh, he been, he's been living down the street for about two years and uh, I didn't know that the cat's name was Mike and not Keith. So I understand why he wasn't answering me. I say all of that to say that the kid is good. How you feel? <laughs> I don't know what to say to that so i feel great happy to be home home for the next few weeks uh had a great time with my boo as he graduated from high school officially yes officially yes. So, so what's the next step for 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 t uh well he's gonna take a summer of nothing so he's okay. got a bad case of the senioritis he's gonna just hang out for the summer and then he is headed to um cosmetology school in the fall and uh ready to start kind of that next journey in his life so super proud of him and uh excited that he's kind of figured out where his place is at least for right now absolutely i got one more uh that has to make it through uh he hits his junior year um in september and then then after that it's it's off to the races because that's the last one that I have to get through school. But congratulations to you and to thank the family. You. Beautiful thank, move. Thank you. Yes, indeed. So you do know we are in the midst of Pride Month and oh, it's yeah. important for us to continue to recognize and focus on the expanded definition of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I got to admit that this was probably the first year for me that I didn't run to my Twitter feed or my Instagram feed to put up a flag or something related to pride month. Okay. So why is that? And I wouldn't say it was, well, well, I guess there is a reason. And the reason being, I didn't want to just be performative in that nature. I didn't just want to drop a post and you know, not be able to consistently follow up. If, if This is my thinking, Jay. Like, literally, I said, why put that up on, for, for me personally? Yeah. Why put it up on June 1st, say that it's Pride Month, 
and then not have built into my sequence with my creative team, you know, interstitial posts throughout the month of June because I hadn't thought it all the way through. And one of the things that I really struggle with, but it's a beautiful struggle for me is how do I get ahead of all of the DNI stuff with all of the moving parts in my life, you know, with the podcast, with, you know, consulting with clients, the, Mm -hmm. the numerous speaking engagements, how do I get ahead of these things so that I can seem to be consistent and not performative? And just for that moment, Jay, I was like, I don't want to be performative. And so this month I'll say something about it, but I'm not going to go try to find the right image or I, I, I just I, I sidestep that. Did you yeah. do anything? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we did for Disability Solutions, we always do um, pride posts for the month. Um, I posted one for Crazy and the King for Ability Beyond. We're doing um, our first official pride for for the parent company and doing educational posts um, internally every week. Um, you know, and, I, and I'm going to push back on you a little bit because we talk about LGBTQ rights all year long. We do. So there's nothing in my brain performative about you putting up your your symbol because you're committed to the work and you're doing the work. Um, and I think that just is another way that you demonstrate that you're doing the work. Um, no, I, and I appreciate that. You know, I, I it's always well received. Again, that was just a personal battle. Yeah. You know, it was really like, Patorn, you should have thought about this like you knew it was coming. Why didn't you have your creative team like create a sequence of posts? And and I was actually challenging me. I was getting down on me. And and one of the things that kind of spawned, you know, this piece of the conversation is uh, I saw an article over on popular information. I don't know if it's a site that you are familiar with, but the title of the article for those of you who are out there listening is these 25 rainbow flag waving corporations donated more than $10 million to anti-gay politicians in the last two years. Yep. Yep. So go ahead. I'm sorry. Popular information is phenomenal. This guy, um, Judd Legum, if you don't follow him on Twitter, he calls out every bullshit statement that a company makes and then does the opposite in their behavior, especially around their political giving. Um, and he does this list, this is at least the second year in a row I've seen it, maybe the third. Um, and I always appreciate him so much because he calls people for who they are and he puts companies on notice like every single day. So it's it's really cool. I think we talked about last year, I think we talked about AT&T maybe. Um, but this is pretty critical because we are seeing, you know, in our spending or lack of spending in um lack of follow through with political donations, all those things where companies are hiding behind the flag and their, their equality statements and all the other things that they're doing. But at the end of the day, there's still corporations who are just out to make a buck. Yeah. He talks about 25 major corporations. He said since 2019, they've donated more than $10 million to members of Congress uh, with a zero rating, a zero rating on um, their congressional scorecard by the Human Rights Campaign or HRC. He said also that they've donated uh, hundreds of thousands, yes, hundreds of thousands of dollars to state legislators who have sponsored anti-trans legislation mm-hmm. this year. Yeah, and then we talk about there being this year. 
250, I think was the number that we talked about, um, anti-LGBTQ um, bills in process right now at the state level. Critical time, right? And and a pride flag is not just not going to cut it. Yeah. And since we're on politics, um, how you feel about Juneteenth? Congress and, you know, the, the crew over on Capitol Hill, they made Juneteenth a federal holiday. Now, here's the deal. Tell me the I'm going to sit back in my chair <laughs> because I want to hear your thoughts around this holiday. Now, I'm tightening up as if I am well-dressed at this particular point <laughs> because I'd like to hear your civil comments around it being a federal holiday. I think we may have a bit of contention on this one. Okay. Okay. So um, one, I almost fell out of my damn chair when I found out the Senate passed it unanimously, right? These are the guys we can't get to pass anything unanimously um, and, and came out to support this as they, you know, talk out of the other side of their mouth about critical race theory and, and all kinds of other um, white supremacist tools that they are emboldening and empowering even through additional legislation. So I think it's good in terms of that it gives companies like mine who would like to include Juneteenth, Juneteenth as a paid day off for a lot of our employees. Um, it gives us some extra leverage to have that conversation with our executive leadership. To me, that's the immediate benefit. The other benefit is, is that you and I talked about this last year. This isn't something I was taught in school. Um, and, it, and it becomes a more recognizable entity in our in our American culture. Um, but other than that, right, what, what what's the game changer? I don't know. Yeah. So uh, surprisingly, we are on the same sheet of music. And that's good because I actually thought that, you know, you are more closely tied to politics and some of the happenings on or in the houses, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, and you tend to I don't want to say are more favorable, but again, you're just more connected to it. You have a different conversation whenever we talk and bring politics up on on Crazy and the King. Um, but we are absolutely in the same sheet of music. One portion of me says, great, it, at least you have suggested that we should be moving forward and given this um, this day, this event that happened back in 1865, more recognition, more amplification. So I absolutely appreciate that. The challenge that I have is that I think too many of these politicians feel like they can throw on a daishiki, stand every once in a while and put their right fist in the air uh, and that we are supposed to be happy about that. And as you alluded to in your commentary around it, these are some of the same individuals with more than three, four hundred anti or voter suppression bills running around the country, more of them trying to ban critical race theory as you. And, and I, I was listening to something the other day and it talked about uh, in the COVID relief bill. I think there's been five billion dollars set aside for black farmers mm -hmm. because historically and, and when I say historically, I'm not talking about the last year. Uh, the last five years, I'm talking historically, black farmers receive, you know, just minuscule percentages of farmer aid, if you will. Um, I mean, there are stories around black farmers being given bad seed so that they can't even 
create their their crops for the year and miss the entire growing season. I mean, all types of things that have impacted them. And so when I think about our politicians, you know, placating us with a holiday, if you will, as if we just want to. I'm going to get in trouble for saying this. Do it. But this is what it is. As if all we want to do is cut watermelon and fry some chicken and have fun. That's the bullshit that really pisses me off. Uh, yes, Oriel on Twitter. She said, um, gaslighting is making Juneteenth a federal holiday while banning critical race theory in schools, destabilizing COVID mutual aid efforts, refusing to defund and abolish police and blocking reparations legislation. Go play in someone else's face, America. I would add to that list. It's the George Floyd anti-policing bill. Yep. It's the anti-lynching bill that has been raised more than voted down more than 200 times. And here's what really gets my blood boiling. Earlier this year, we had stop AAPI hate as a hashtag. You recall? Yep. And what did we get? We got an Asian hate bill, anti-Asian hate bill this year. Yeah, which got voted down. But right. Or Didn't at least take them long. It wasn't unanimous. I, let, let me say that because I, I think yeah, I'm talking I a little I, bit out I, of school. I think it, but yeah, yes. I think it was. I actually think it was passed, Jay. I, I okay. will. I will do a little bit of digging in just a few moments. I believe it was passed, and not that it shouldn't have been passed. It should have been. Yes. And the point is, yet as black people, when you ask why we get frustrated, those are some of the reasons why. Yeah. So, personally. You can keep the holiday. I want you to do something that's a bit more substantive. If I have a choice, do what's more substantive. Don't placate. Don't pat me on the head with a holiday. Yep. Do something that really makes a difference. Make sense? And you are absolutely right. I was wrong. AAPI hate bill did pass. And uh, yeah, there's absolutely no excuse. And I just want to say too, just on the farmer side, just thinking about how much farmland has been stolen from from black farmers over the past 300 years, 200 years, whatever, um, $5 million is a, is a kick in the face. It's, it's nothing. Um, when we talk about short-term and long-term historical damage that's been done to, to the black farming community. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Absolutely. Absolutely. So quote for this week is for 21 years, I have been going down there talking about removing the statue. And it's just like these commissioners to do what they did for 21 years. Mr. Willie Hutzbeth, a retired middle school teacher, a Vietnam veteran and a leader of his local NAACP down in Denton, Texas, was protesting for 21 years that they remove a monument, a Confederate monument from the town's square. Twenty one years. And I know that that doesn't. That didn't ring like a quote, but I read that and wanted to share that for a very, very good reason. Because of what we just talked about as related to Juneteenth, the anti-lynching bill being voted down more than 200 times, we cannot afford to be out of the fight. While I say it makes me frustrated, I get angry, I get tired, I'm never going to stop fighting for the freedom of oppressed and unheard individuals, wherever they are, 
They could be in the Appalachian Mountains in West Virginia. They can be in some of the barrios down in Texas. They could be people in our poor communities, uh, in large, major NFL uh, alpha cities. It doesn't matter to me if you are a disenfranchised, overlooked and underrepresented individual. I want to make sure that I am using my voice and platform to absolutely fight for you. And Willie Hudspeth is an example for 21 years, Jay. Every single Sunday, he would grab a lawn chair and he would protest down at that Confederate monument until it was taken down last June, a month after the murder of George Floyd. So we're going to get into our job fight ad for this week, and then we're going to rock the show because the timing could not be better. We'll be right back. Okay, okay, real quick. Jobvite is taking you on a TA road trip all summer long during the Summer to Evolve road trip. That was a little bit redundant, but the bottom line is they are rocking this eight-week series of educational content designed specifically for TA and recruiting professionals just like you and I. Each and every week, there'll be three short sessions aimed at helping you to hone your skills, helping you to improve existing processes and inspire new ideas from some of the greatest minds in TA. You'll explore topics such as building talent pools to support rapid hiring, the TA metrics driving business outcomes, and leveraging recruitment technology to help you find and hire top talent faster. Gotta quickly mention, Great prizes, fun road trip games, and exciting surprises. You can get all of that if you start mapping out your road trip journey today at jobvite.com forward slash summer. Again, that is jobvite.com forward slash summer. All right. So welcome back. I am so excited for this week's guest. Uh, this is a conversation I've been looking forward to having. And, and thank you to my pod partner for helping uh, get our guest on the show. So I'm going to uh, let you do the honors yeah. uh, of introducing Mr. Will Shelton. Absolutely. Mr. Will Shelton is the CEO of Willpower Integrated Marketing. Uh, inside of the bio, it says consultant, speaker, author. And in pre-show prep, we actually talked about an anti-shaft appearance. There was like an anti-shaft sighting. So, Will Shelton, welcome to Crazy and the King. How are you? Hey, I'm doing good. I'm great and grateful. How are you guys doing? I love great and grateful. Julie is nodding. I'm good. You're good. But that was a brief introduction. Like, we really want the colorful, the 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 cool version of the intro. Like, give us some more of that story of who Will Shelton is. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, you can actually call me like a, a black culturalist or a black experience expert because my point of entry into this world of, of corporations and brands and dealing with that comes from being a licensed barber and cosmetologist for 26 years. I owned my own salon for 10 years and, <clears throat> and owning that shop, you know, in the black shops, there's a conveyor belt of conversations going on. This is a safe space for black people not only to get their hair cut, but to lay down their burdens. Your barber or stylist can get more out of you in 15 minutes than the therapist in 15 years. So the conversations about political things, uh, civil rights movements has gone down. These, these venues have turned into town halls for the Black African, African-American. 
And what I had an epiphany in the 90s, and I understood that I was helping entertainment companies and corporations market their products through my shop because a client would ask me, Will, what album was that playing? And I would say, hey, that was the new Whitney Houston album. Or they would ask me for a recommendation to a movie and they would go see it. So I said, wait a minute here. I'm, I'm, this is a captive, receptive audience that has an insatiable appetite for entertainment and they spend over $500 million, billion dollars a year on goods and services. So I sent proposals out. I didn't know anybody in the industry, but I told myself I wasn't going to let fear hold me back, which is only false evidence appearing real. So I sent that out to them. And within 30 days, I started receiving free CDs to play and advanced screening passes. And a year later, the idea was to bring this to a national level. And now over 20 years later, I have a network of over 100,000 black barbershops and salons nationwide. And I hope global brands connect with this consumer in these shops. Ho, 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 ho. Let me jump in real quick, real quick. Cause you said a lot like that was a lot. And so first of all, let me go. I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm going to leave you for just a second. Will, uh, Julie in the beauty salon, are there a conveyor belt of conversations that are happening? Because that was a powerful phrase. I like that. Uh, are was. there a conveyor belt of powerful phrases? I'm sorry, a conveyor belt of conversations happening in the salon? No, no, no. it's it's it, not in the white people's salon. It is much more up here, surfacey, like niceties, blah blah. It's it's not super deep. We're we're not trying to get. Let, let me tell you why each I'm, other. That'd be that'd be shameful. Let, let, me tell, <laughs> let me tell you why I'm smiling right now because there is a distinct difference if you go to a typical white church and a black church. Like you can go to white service and you know it's probably going to be about an hour, hour and fifteen minutes. You out. You good. Mm-hmm. But in Will's case, like he's suggesting, you can go to the barbershop and or the beauty salon that I know of uh, or the number of beauty salons and barbershops that I know of. And it can really be a three hour experience. You may have gotten your hair cut two hours ago, but you might still find yourself still sitting there in one uh, enthralled in one of those conversations. So, Will, I'm wondering, you know, are we as we are in the midst of covid mm-hmm. And I don't know if you are uh, still a shop owner, but you certainly have connections to a good number of them. Uh, As we are in the midst of COVID, do you have an opinion on the current administration, since we were talking a bit of politics, utilizing black barbershops, black beauty salons to to encourage uh, black communities to get their vaccination shots. Is is that perhaps even a part of some of the marketing and influence marketing that you are doing? It, it sure is. I was tapped to spearhead um, the COVID treatments um, and use the black barbershops and salons as pillars of health in their communities um, because they're the most trusted environment that you can get into. They're the they're like the ecosystem that makes the black community flourish. They're like the coronary artery of the community. So they're probably the best place to educate, um, get the right facts about the vaccine and the COVID treatments. And I hope to spearhead that with a couple of different companies and get the information out 
And it really was a, a great campaign and it really helped us to overcome what what really, you know, it says COVID grabbed the black community by the collar and wouldn't let go. So you talked about the, the consortium of black barbershop owners that you work with. Does it have a name? Can we shout out a website? How could a company get a hold of you or the the black barbershop network if they wanted to? Yeah, they could just reach out to um, my website is willpowermarketing.com. They can DM me at at willpower with one L um, at willpowerent.com. Yeah. So I'm wondering, you know, when you think about this whole, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging space, Mm -hmm. which is really where Crazy and the King sits. You know, we sit right in the midst of that space. We spend time each and every week analyzing stories of the week. We talk about things like you heard earlier in the show that relate to that space, that impact the people in that space, people outside of that space, Mm -hmm. to be quite honest. Do you see yourself uh, in any way, sitting in the DNI space, and if you do, how? Yeah, um, I think I sit in that space because my because my point of entry is different. I'm not traditionally trained in that way, but I've been a black consultant for corporations, and especially last year when the George Floyd murder happened and the social unrest and the turmoil and the turbulence was going on. I was being asked by these companies, how do we stand in solidarity? So my question to them, Torin, was, was, is your solidarity solid or is it symbolic? You know, does your stance line up? Hmm. Talk about that a little more. (laughs) Yeah, talk about that. Talk about that. Yeah, because, you know, a lot of them stood up and said, hey, we're standing in solidarity with you. But then when you looked at their atrocious numbers, of African-Americans in top C-suite positions, 1%, 3%. Um, and the micro-invalidations that were going on was, was horrible. I mean, these companies, you know, sometimes they had what I would call emotional war criminals that abused the Black executive to the point where it maimed and killed their spirits. So, I, I mean, there, there's just so much to unpack, even in that statement, I'm, I'm kind of jumping all around, but I think it's a perfect time to say, um, Mr. Will Shelton, you have a book coming out called Silent Agreement, which is actually has a release date of Juneteenth. Um, first of all, congratulations for that. And second, um, what does silent agreement mean? In, in this context and, and maybe expand on that mm. emotional war criminals in that context, I think. Right. Well, this book um, is kind of a long time coming. It is actually comes from boxing metaphor, the whole book, because think about it. Boxing is a metaphor for the fight in life. You have a fight in your personal life. You have a fight in your business and especially the ring of black corporate America there's been a fight going on for so long. So I went all the way back to Mike Tyson in the 1980s. He used to knock out most of his sparring partners, but every once in a while, Torin, he would get one that he couldn't knock out and he would resort to holding and clinching. And he had a trainer named Teddy Atlas that told him, Mike, 
You got to stop making a silent agreement because one day you're going to get a guy who's not going to sign the contract. And this is what happens to black executives when they get into corporate America. They usually find out the hard way that the other side won't sign the contract. But this is what happens. They don't stop fighting. They just stop fighting with the same intensity. And they start throwing what I call don't hit me punches, which is a chapter in the book. And that means they start fighting not to lose instead of fighting to win, just waiting for the conflict to be over. And they usually become psychological contortionists, twisting themselves in knots for the illusion of inclusion. Yeah, so see what I hear when um, when I hear you talk about that silent agreement and the types of punches that are being thrown, uh, I think about the the most recent fights that we saw or that some people were able to see on pay-per-view. Listen, we're not going to name some of them names because I ain't tri- trying to have, you know, these 30 million dollar makers coming, you know, trying to mess with our podcast over here. You know what I'm saying? But but these these Instagram and these YouTube type battles, if you will, are like and folks are actually paying for. Them. And, and by the way, you know what, what I will say is that some of those individuals have earned the right to to participate in like Instagram and YouTube type charades, if you will. But not if you're still in corporate America. You really can't afford those types of uh, play fights, if you will, those love taps, if you will, because those play fights and love taps will impede. They will derail. They will stall. They will actually implode your career. And, you know, all of the numbers point to a disappointing position for us as it relates to black economic wealth and positioning representation, as you just mentioned a moment ago, upward mobility, if you will. There's so much that is happening when those play fights uh, take place. So give us maybe one of the two or one or two of the strong points from the book that you feel will help folks to take action. It's one thing to read about the plight. We kind of know that. Mm -hmm. What's one of the two, one or two suggestions that you might have for people to keep punching like they aggressive and they in this fight to win? Well, first I think you have to realize that, you know, we've become highly adjusted to the injustice. And the second part of that is that we have to learn how, and we've always done this, is punching above our weight class. You know, Mm. you got to understand that the system is rigged. Our parents tell us when we're young, you got to do twice as much to get half the rewards. Not my father, but keep going. (laughs) So, you know, in that, we have to realize that we have to keep punching above our weight class, even though we know the system's rigged. We have to understand Um, There's a lot of bobbing and weaving that goes on. Uh, These corporations being highly elusive and giving us those C-suite positions. So we got to learn how to bob and weave to get closer to our opponent so that we can do the job and that we can get that top seat that we need. And you got to understand how to be a champion, what it takes to to have the winner-take-all mentality. Because you have to understand that we are full of versatility with nothing but ability. And you have to believe that when you go into these corporations and have the attitude that, you know, you are successful and you can handle what's going to be coming to you. And we've got to, you know, become more mentors and get more mentorship inside of the 
diversity and inclusion departments and outside. I mean, you know, there's not always going to be um, diversity and inclusion departments that are going to be really a fit for you. So you have to look outside and start finding those networks as well. So I'm going to push back a little bit because, you know, if you talk to a lot of black folks, they'll say, I don't need another mentor. Mm -hmm. Some will say, I just need your support. I need you to be the advocate. I need you to be that voice when I'm not in the room. I need you. I need you really forcing the conversation that I'm not able to have because I'm just not there. What what do you say to those individuals? Well, what I say to them is, you know, we got to find the right allies for us that's there because there are allies that are available, but you know, we got to find them. Um, mentors, you know, they're going to be the, sometimes you have tour mentors <laughs> as well as mentors, but I would say, you know, you got to find those allies. And this book was written for the allies just as well as the black executives to fight against the, the broken promises and the broken culture that exists in corporate America. You know, well, I, th- I think one kind of statement from the book that I really loved was too many black professionals in corporate America make what boxers call the silent agreement, not to fight day-to-day racism in exchange for their chance in the ring. And that's just so eloquent, right? What you're talking about is, is classic game theory, um, fighting to win, fighting not to not lose. Um, and, and I think so often in DEI, we are, we'll, we're always fighting to stay at the table versus fighting to own the table, lead the table, drive the the conversation. And I think that's something that we can all learn from. Uh, and, And I'm super interested as an ally, as an advocate, as someone who helps lead, um, DEI, you know, initiatives, uh, all over the place. How can I help other white professionals identify microaggressions is there are there one and two one or two in your book that you you point out um and how to fight that fear of of using their voices our voices um when we are the ones at the table yeah well first of all i think you have to acknowledge that there are microaggressions because if what if you can't change what you don't acknowledge um and a lot of blacks have to have this what i call a facade of conformity to fit in to views and values that are organizational ones and they can't be their authentic selves. It's one of those things where our truth is not their truth. So uh, our allies have to realize and acknowledge that first and then some of the cultural damage can start to heal. Also, um, I wanted- So are there, go ahead. Also, I wanted to add that as far there's been a truancy of transparency, and that's a big part of it. You know, there's always been a vacancy for transparency and honesty, and those corporations that take occupancy have nothing to lose and everything to gain. You know, it's interesting that, that and Jay, I don't know if you had something, I didn't mean to, to kind of jump in, but when you talk about that truancy mm-hmm. of transparency, 
it it really suggests so much of what we've talked about in the show. You know, the the uh, anti-lynching bill being voted down more than 200 times. Uh, Mr. Will- Willie Hudspeth protesting for 21 years every Sunday uh, at a Confederate monument that it should be removed from the city's square, that they should face their historic, um, um, you know, relationship with racism and terrorism in that city down in Denton, Texas. Um, I, I, I heard something earlier today, and, and I won't even say the name because I can't think of his name, but, you know, a 14 year old boy, as of the date of this recording, a 14 year old back in 1954, 55, electrocuted. 14. Electrocuted um, because he was accused of killing two two white girls, two sisters. Mm-hmm. 14. Mm-hmm. No blacks were allowed in the courtroom. Mm-hmm. I mean, just imagine a 14 year old boy sitting in an electric chair. Judged by a jury of not any peers. It's that truancy word just really rings with me because so much of what we fight for in this DNI space and in humanity is delayed. Yeah. It's the prescription is wait a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. And one thing that I had to acknowledge in the two and a half years that Julie and I have been doing crazy in the King. Mm-hmm. One thing that I shared with Julie a little more than a year ago was I didn't recognize how often we had said, you know, this phrase may be familiar for you, Will. Last hired, first fired. Mm -hmm. And that was often associated with black people. Mm -hmm. But it was only about a year ago after Julie and I had been doing this podcast for a year, uh, almost two years. I said, wait a minute. People with disabilities have it even worse than we do. Mm. They're not even hired, period. Mm. They are unhoused in ways that are incredible. They are disenfranchised in ways that we just don't even talk about. Mm. And so sometimes we get so attached to our own situation that we are not acknowledging and recognizing the truancy of life for so many other audiences. And so I really hope that people just kind of sit with that truancy word for a moment and find a way to bring a spark to whatever their activity is inside of their particular community or corporate cord. Jay, I'm sorry. Mm. No, I'll let you preach on disability all day. And as always, as a reminder is that People with disabilities are black, they're brown, they're women, they're LGBTQ, they are veterans. And those intersections are even more prohibitive and powerful in terms of the boundaries that that they um, build around people's ability to succeed and to live the life that they deserve and that they work so hard for. So, um, Will, any closing thoughts on one action, one step that a black professional can take to remind themselves every day that we've got to fight to win and not fight to not lose. 
Yeah, I think one statement I have is, you know, we may not get everything we fight for, but everything we get will be a fight. You got to remember that that's that kind of sums up the book. Um, You got to realize you don't get out of life what you want. You get out of life what you are. Hmm. I got it. Well, listen, Will, one L, Willpower Marketing, E-N-T, short for entertainment, willpowermarketingent.com. You can find the book at thesilentagreement.com. Again, the website for the book is thesilentagreement.com. And Will is actually on Twitter at Will, I'm sorry, W-L Power. Uh, Again, he's on Twitter at W-L Power. Uh, and there's a pre-order link that we'll probably include in our show notes. Julie tends to handle that. We'll tweet it out. And will we absolutely appreciate you for sharing that the book is going to be dropping on Juneteenth, which is this weekend. Yep. Awesome. So um, quick mentions this week, uh, how to be an ally summit. We still have the discount code um, that we will post again on our social medias for the October conference with Deanna Singh and her um, team over there. Definitely join, definitely be a part if you can, and uh, definitely take advantage of the discount code C-A-T-K ally 10. Yeah, and it's going to be a powerful summit. It's in October this year. It's three days. Again, you can find it online at How to Be an Ally Summit. Discount code is C-A-T-K Ally 1-0. Jay? Uh, um, name drop for this week. So mine is uh, Rebecca Coakley. She's a disability advocate and expert. Um, she was just this week on the Be an Anti-Racist podcast with Ibram X. Kennedy. Um, and the title of that is Ableism and Racism, Roots of the Same Tree. And she goes into the most in-depth historical um, sociology, sociology type review of the intersections of ableism and racism. It's incredible. You know, I'm passionate about it. I learned a ton from Rebecca. Uh, thank you to, to Ibram for having her on and, and allowing us to have that platform. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So if it's all right with you, it is all right with me. I'll go ahead and close out the show. Fair enough? Fair enough, my friend. Awesome. Close reminding each and every one of you to share the pod with your digital tribe and to amplify and find your voice this entire segment this entire episode was about empowerment they always are and this was exactly the same we want you to be a better human let's create better culture better teams better workplaces for now jay and i are ghost see ya How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. 
Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.